Good evening to one and all here tonight and to those joining with us on our podcast service. Uh, welcome to the House of God here at Christian Outreach Centre here in Charters Towers and I, I pray that you all feel right at home and for those listening online I, I pray too that you feel part of the action here at Charters Towers. It's the centre of the earth, we know that and uh, it's great to be here. So, But as an introduction tonight, the, prov- the prophet Habakkuk I'm not going to uh, try and Havakuk, I think it's pronounced in the Hebrew, lived between what we would call two world wars in that time. And uh, between the fall of the northern kingdom of Assyria in 612 BC, so the Assyrian Empire had come down, and there were between also the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC by the Babylonians, that had not occurred yet, but it was grim times in the land of Israel at the time. And they were looking down the barrel of another war coming in on the land, and they knew things were changing. The prophet writes three chapters in this book called Habakkuk, and all apart from three verses, he is totally overwhelmed by the circumstances which surround him. The words from these few chapters describe the things that captivated his outlook And they crippled his view of the now and even the future. And the footnotes and commentary in all your study Bibles, you can read it for yourself, will say something like this of the prophet's vocabulary. And you can go to the prophet Habakkuk and just glimpse your way through it and you can see words like iniquity, trouble, plundering, violence. It's sounding good, isn't it? Anybody feel uplifted yet? strife, contention. He cries, the law is powerless. Justice never goes forth, he says. Wicked surround the righteous and perverse judgment proceeds. It probably sounds a little bit like your own commentary that we make while we are watching the news. And uh, it leaves us often gutted and even enraged as we witness on a day-to-day basis unrighteousness and lawlessness abounding and unchecked, while that which is good is made of no value and seems to be stripped away. So I can identify with the prophet Habakkuk to the time and the day in which we live. We're surrounded by iniquity and trouble and plundering and violence and all these sorts of things. How do we feel? Do you feel gutted like Habakkuk did? Do you feel totally absolutely gutted you see these things on tv and we're enraged by the things we see and uh it's a terrible feeling that it can leave us in it may all sound uh for the most part the book of habakkuk is about a man basically who has forgotten god and uh the temporal world worldly affairs have closed his vision and enraged his soul When I sit there in front of the ABC for too long, watch YouTube for too long, I seem to sit there till my soul is enraged. Does anybody else ever feel like that? Does anybody else feel like that? I know people there listening online would see these things on a daily basis and we're filled with with, uh, 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 visionlessness. We think, what hope is there for our children? And lots of people these days don't even have children because they don't want to bring them into this world the way that it is. I've talked to young men like exactly like that. 
Like Noah and like Lot, his spirit has become vexed. Who's read the old King James Version and it says that the spirit of Lot was vexed and by the unrighteousness that surrounded his life and the benefits of worshipping and serving God were almost extinguished. And you can read the almost two and a half chapters of this tiny small book of Habakkuk and he's only got three verses of hope left in the end. But something happens to our prophet Habakkuk in the last three verses. And I trust that something is going to happen to you here today. Because I've got good news. And the good news is that Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. Amen. Jesus is still on the throne. And yes, there is a devil out there, but he's on a short leash. And there's no competition between God and the devil. I assure you it's no competition. The Bible seems to, when you read it, you think, oh, it's some sort of competition. But it's no more. The Bible says in the appropriate time, in the fullness of time, the Lord will blow with the breath of his, with the breath of his mouth and, and, uh, and Satan will go like tumbleweed down the street, amen? A non-existent thing. But something happens to our prophet. And to lift you, and I, want to tr- I pray today that something is going to happen to you today too. When you, if you feel slightly discouraged or a bit discouraged or greatly discouraged or even overwhelmed, I know there are people out there who are overwhelmed at this present time but the unrighteousness which is sweeping the earth and in our very streets. When we heard of someone being shot when I was a boy, it was always in New York. But today it's almost down the end of the street. To lift you from the temporal and look to the eternal. To take you from the worldly and the hopeless to fix your eyes again on God. To take you from the valley and he says, and I will walk on my high heels. Not high heels. (laughs) On my high heels, says the prophet Habakkuk. From whinging to winning. Who would like to do that? Oh, Jules must get sick of me whinging sometimes. And she said, Jeff, you're bigger than that. Come on. She says, you're bigger than that. She doesn't realize I'm only five foot three. (laughs) To lift your sights from man to God. That's what we're about, isn't it? Lifting our sights again from man to God. Uh, uh, The way Habakkuk looked at things, though, through the lens of hope, he changed his outlook, although nothing had changed. And uh, there is a word that's written in our, all our motivational books. Altitude determines, uh, uh, attitude determines altitude. Isn't that good, isn't it? And really, that's a biblical thing. It's a biblical thing. And you can read that in verses 17, 18, and 19. And they are the last, oh, sorry, they are the last three verses of this little book of Habakkuk. And he says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fall, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, faith kicks in. Oh, the Ergon energy saying, look up and live. Hey, as God said to Abraham as he got him out of this tent, navel-gazing. He said, look up to the stars and live. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. Amen? That's what it says. And so something happened. So the title of my message tonight is, 
and forget not his benefits. And where does that come from? It comes from Psalm 103 and verse 2. I pray that you brought your Bibles with you today and you brought a notebook just to jot down a few notes to make sure that Pastor Jeff is sticking to the Word of God. And here it is in Psalm 103, and I will only read five verses. And uh, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with the loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Who needs their youth renewed? Oh, come on, Jeffrey, I'm, I'm with that. I need my youth renewed. Oh, come on. Isn't that good, though? Look at all those benefits there. Forget not all his benefits. Forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns, he satisfies, and he renews your youth. What a package deal. What a great package deal. That's the sort of things and thinking that kicked into Habakkuk. And you can also see it also in the middle of Psalm 22. I was reminded of that just as I was driving him. In the middle of Psalm 22, the psalmist is plummeting exactly like Habakkuk. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a verse, faith kicked in and changed his outlook. Circumstances that you may surround still were the same, but his outlook went from fear to faith. Uh, and so that's what we want to, want to do. Uh, Jules and I watched a chick flick uh, last night. It was a beautiful chick flick. She says, seems to think that if she can, has to watch Gladiator from time to time, then I have to watch Anne of Green Gables. Amen? And so she did. Sense and Sensibility or something like that we watch. And last night we watched Anne of Green Gables. And I remember, who knows the story? Everybody would know the story of Anne and Green Gables. She was an orphan girl and uh, she, was, uh, uh, she was placed in a, in a beautiful home with a loving brother and sister who were very aged. And she was an effervescent girl and bubbly as anything, dramatic as anything. And uh, it looked like she might have had to go home, back to the orphanage. And she says, oh, I'll, I'll despair, I'll despair. My life is at end. And she was melodramatic to the, to the nth degree. And, that, and the Morella, the, the aged lady there, she said, uh, to despair is to turn your back on God. And I thought, what a great saying. And that's where Habakkuk is. And that's where that psalmist was in, in, uh, in Psalm 22. And, he, and they had turned their back on God. They forgot the Lord's benefits. And when we're surrounded by so much iniquity, so much sin, there is an intensity in the spirit realm, no doubt, in the day in which we live. And we can forget the Lord's benefits. And, uh, and uh, is it a hard thing to serve God? In John uh, chapter 5 and verse 3, 1 John 5, 3, the commandments are not grievous, it says. So to keep the Lord's commandment, it's not an effort, but it's a godly way to live. And so Psalm 23, I'd like to go to Psalm 23 now because there's something about David in this psalm which absolutely captivates everything that I would like to bring out this, uh, this evening. So turn to Psalm 23 if you would and everybody here will have 
read it at some stage in their life. Many of you will probably know it by heart. And you'll know it as the shepherd's psalm, the Lord of the shepherd of his people. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, how good is this? I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. We're talking tonight about don't forget the Lord's benefits. And uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, they will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That could, be, that could describe Habakkuk, couldn't it? It could describe us in this day and age. Uh, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, it's good, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. Or the direct Hebrew translation, because I don't use as many in-between words like we do in our language. It just says, uh, Jehovah my shepherd. And the word there is Jehovah. Really, it's yud heh vav hey. I am that I am, your good shepherd. In, uh, and so the Lord is my shepherd. What's that mean? It says, I lack nothing. When the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. And it could be poverty, could be disaster. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 on your left and right, as uh, other psalm stakes, uh, uh, takes. Uh, verse 2, he said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. So I lack no provision. I lack no provision, amen? And we can see when we look at the streets around here, there, there is plenty of provision. In, in the same verse, it says, He leads me beside still waters, so I shall not lack peace. What a great commodity is this thing called peace. And it is the commodity that the world, the world will yearn for the more things intensify and heat up. Verse 3, he restores my soul, so I shall not lack restoration if I faint or fail. Do you need restoring today? Oh, I need refreshing. I need restoring on a daily basis. And that's why God gives us his grace on a daily basis. He restores our soul. Verse 3 again, he leads me in the paths of righteousness, so I shall not lack guidance. And we know that in the New Testament, we know that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So how's that? He guides us. He leads us. So we're not people who are without direction. And, uh, and he is my righteousness. Verse 4. Yes, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It means that I shall not lack courage in the dark hour that is coming upon the nations of the earth. I shall not lack courage. Sometimes I think and watch things and I think, well, how would I respond in that hour when things really heat up? When, un when we're under the pump, when we're under pressure. But the Lord says, you shall not lack uh, courage. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen? For you are with me. It says in the same verse, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I shall not, not lack true comfort. You will not be left comfortless. You will have the comforter with you. Amen? This is good stuff. In the following verse, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What's that mean to me? It means that I shall not lack protection, preservation, and honor. Beautiful things. 
you shall not lack these things. You anoint my head with oil, and the Bible speaks of oil as being joy. And so I will therefore never lack joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why did the devil try and get Habakkuk's joy? Because the joy of the Lord is the source of your strength. If you feel that you're surrounded by things that rob you of your joy, remove yourself from that situation. I have limited the amount of uh, news that I watch. I love the news. I like to remain informed. Jules recently uh, signed us up to a, a subscription to the Australian newspaper. So I don't have to be confronted with everybody else's garbage opinions and I can source the information for myself online and I've removed myself from situations that cause me grief. Amen? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Whatever is robbing your joy, remove yourself from that situation so that you can remain strong in the Lord. You anoint my head with oil. What about this one? Verse 5 and the third point in verse 5. My cup runs over. What a good verse is that. It means that I shall never lack the fullness, not just fullness, but the overflowing, fully visible blessing of God. You don't have to look into a cup that's overflowing to know how much is in it. If your cup is just a mediocre, you've got to look in there. Oh, it's low, it's, not, it's, got, it's a half a cup, it's a full cup. But when it's overflowing, it's visible to all those around. You can see there's a visible blessing on your life when your cup runs over and it can be seen at a distance. Isn't that an interesting point? And verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Can we say that today? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. For those who are listening online, say it to yourself again right now. It's a great declaration for your life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Oh, stick that in your nose, devil, and smoke it. Amen? Hey, surely goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. Isn't that good? As long as I shall live. It goes on to say, and I will dwell. You see, these are declarations. This is not a whimsical thing that, oh, Lord, I just, I just, I want to be in your house, Lord. For no, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great declaration, John, over your life. I will dwell in the house. The Bible says you shall declare a thing and it shall be established for you. You can speak these things over your life. Oh, yes, you can. I was reading a book, uh, uh, J. Sidlow Baxter, on, on regarding, uh, regarding this psalm. And, uh, and because I was thinking that all the attributes of God seem to be all in a nutshell in this one psalm. It's only a short psalm, six verses. But it's a blessing to your whole life. And it seems like all the goodness of God is wrapped up in this psalm. And you know why that it appears that to be? Because it is. All the attributes of God and everything that is described of God. In the Old Testament, there are seven instances of compound Jehovah titles. And you will know these. They're written on the back wall over there. And you'll see that there are seven of them. That is the number of God, isn't it? When we look at the number seven, the Bible speaks of seven as being very, very uh, a fulfill, fulfillment. 
in the Old Testament, we find seven divine provisions which are indicated in the seven compound Jehovahistic names. And you'll know these names. We've been, if you've been around church for any length of time, you would have heard all these names. But gathered up in this 23rd Psalm are all the seven compound Jehovah names. And under this famous title, the Lord is my shepherd, or that literal uh, translation, uh, the Lord is my, is my shepherd. The seven attributes of God revealed in these seven Jehovah names, uh, revealed to David in this one psalm. And we know that God has revealed to himself, uh, to people throughout the Bible, an attribute of God, and it's revealed in his name. But here in this psalm, you can see... And we see Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It means the Lord will provide. Isn't it good? And so we see the word Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals in Exodus 15, 26. And God revealed himself to Moses and the people. He restores my soul. So he heals you. What about in number three? Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Oh, it's good, isn't it? The Lord our peace. And God revealed himself in Judges 6.24 to Gideon, who was a deliverer from the enemies to Israel. He leads me beside still waters. He said that to Gideon. Amazing, isn't it? And he was one of the people who, who was one of the great deliverers in the book of Judges. Jehovah, or Jehovah Tedeskinu, which means the Lord our righteousness. Uh, Tedeskinu, yeah. And so the Lord, our righteousness, and God revealed himself to Jeremiah. He leads me, and to David understood it, he leads me in the path of righteousness. You see, David had a revelation of all the goodness of God. All the goodness of God. We can choose to focus on the negative, or we can focus on the goodness of God. And I'm talking about today... Uh, and forget not his benefits. When you're watching the news, get a balance, get a grip, and get God. Oh, that's good, isn't it? What about this Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there, or the Lord is ever-present. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So there in that very verse there, we can see that Jehovah Shammah is there. The Lord is there. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't care what ABC or SBS is saying. I don't care what they're doing in Canberra or any other place. The Lord is with me. These are good declarations for your life. What about this one? Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. And he's the standard beneath which the armies of God rally. The Lord is our banner. We rally under this. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So the Lord revealed himself to David as Jehovah Nissi. Oh, it's good stuff, isn't it? It's good stuff. You're feeling encouraged tonight? I pray that you are. Don't wallow in, uh, in negativity. Uh, remove yourself from that negative. If it's causing you to lose your joy, remove yourself. And just limit yourself to the things that you hear and read and look at. Amen? What about this final one? The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Ra'ah. I don't know the pronunciation of some of these Hebrew words here, but I'll do that at a later date. And so uh, in finishing, uh, uh, I'll just go to Joshua 24, 13 here. And, and I, talk, I want to talk briefly about the favor of God. We talked about the goodness of God. 
and the wonderful attributes here of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the, my healer, my, the one who gives me peace and righteousness. He's ever present with me. The Lord is our banner and the Lord is my shepherd. But in Joshua, I see 24, 13, and this is a very, very famous chapter in the Bible. And uh, because directly after, after this verse that I'm going to uh, read to you, uh, uh, Joshua chooses uh, or challenges the people and he says, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So let's have a listen to uh, Joshua 24, 13. And they're about to go into the promised land. Is there anybody interested here in going into the promised land? Oh, yes, I am. I want to go into our promised land. I feel like the Lord has promised us a revival or a move of God, an awakening to God for this, uh, for this region. I'm not discouraged by the people that I have, the few in number perhaps that come to the houses of God throughout this region, because I believe the tide and the pendulum is turning, amen? And there is, and there is going to be, and there is a move of God on its way, amen? I declare it every day. I am not discouraged by what I see. I'm not motivated by what I feel. I'm motivated by what I believe. But going into the promised land, this is God speaking. I have given you a land which you did not labor. I'm talking about favor right now. I want to declare the favor of God over this church. Over every one of your lives, I want to declare the favor of God. I have given you a land for which you did not labor. And cities which you did not build. Listen to this. And you dwell in them. You eat of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now that's favor, isn't it? A lot of people think they have to work themselves up. They've got to work 18 hours a day each and every day. I always ask particularly believers, when they begin to work large hours, they say, oh, I do 70 or 80 hours a week. And they wear this long weak on their sleeve like it's, a, like it's a metal or something. And I say, don't you think that the Lord can provide for you working a normal week? And I challenge people's faith, and I've done it in the past. Some people did the fly-in, fly-out thing, and they were earning the big dollars. And I say, don't you think God can provide for you if you live on a normal income in your town and you can be at home with your children every night? I say, your children and your wife love you so much. I say, why don't you uh, live a little bit more by faith? You see, when you're not living by faith, you will work 70 or 80 hours because it's you doing it all the work. But when you live by faith, God comes in and your money seems to go further. You tithe on, your, on, the, on, the, on the income that you give because the blessing of heaven will be upon your finances. God will open up opportunities, Amen. And so what about this? I have given you a land for which you did not even labor. How good is that? How good is that, David? I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and eat of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. I'm all about a good work ethic. Make no mistake about that. I believe people should have a work ethic. That's for sure. But what a great scripture there in regard to... Uh, uh, Joshua there. What about the heathen shall be your inheritance? Entering into and partaking of the blessing. Oh, I like these sort of things. And the Lord wants us to enter into his blessing, enter into the promised land. 
And you think when in regard to favor, oh, you say, well, not everybody likes me. And for favor, and because God works through people, amen. You only need one person to like you, and the favor of God can be upon that person and upon you, and you can be a recipient of divine favor through somebody. You don't have to have everybody to like you. Only just one, and they can change the course of your life. And the Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. And I think if you're the apple of the Lord's eye, what else really matters? <laughs> I've preached many times upon the, upon the having the approval of God. And if you have the approval of God, do you really need anybody else's? And if you have the approval of God, but you have men's disapproval, does it really matter? You need God's approval, amen? And that's what we like to have. Uh, John 21, 20 uh, and then Peter, uh, there's something about this Apostle John, which I find quite extraordinary. And he knew what it was, uh, uh, like David. David here in Psalm 23 saw all the attributes of God, all the seven names of God, Jehovah, Tedescu, Tede, uh, and all the Jehovah names there, all represented in Psalm 23. It's amazing, isn't it? But John, is, he, even, he even narrows it down further. The Apostle John saw himself as the disciple Jesus loved. <laughs> Nobody else wrote it about, but he wrote it of himself. It's only found in John's Gospel. When referring to himself, he always spoke about the disciple that Jesus loved. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, well, there's the disciple Jesus loves? Have you ever done that, John? Looked in the mirror and just, just walked past and go, there's a disciple that Jesus loves. <laughs> Whoa. What a, what a beautiful, honest attribute. It's almost child, it's not childish, but it's childlike. It's, it's like a little kid uh, walks into the mirror and says, oh, I'm my father's favorite. Would you begrudge, if you saw your son doing that, You'd, you'd love to hear that, wouldn't you? If I saw my son in the mirror when he was six years old going, my daddy loves me more than anybody else in the world, I wouldn't be offended by that one bit. And John the disciple always described himself in his own gospel accounts as the disciple that Jesus loves. God loves you so dearly, so intimately, so amazing. His motivation for the cross, not held by nails, spikes, ropes, or any other thing. He's held to the cross by his love for you. And God only has favorites, and you happen to be one of them. Does he look at our, at our righteousness and all that? No, because what, if there's any righteous in our life, he's, a, he's the cause of it. He is our righteousness. He knows we're frail humanity. He knows we, we, we uh, make a mess of it at times. But it's called the unmerited favour of God. And, and John sort of, he had a God consciousness that the Lord loved him so much. The disciple that Jesus loved. And I think we can begin to grow in favour consciousness over our life. Begin to see the provision of God for your life in everything. Why? Because you are God's favorite. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you so dearly. He's just absolutely wrapped that you're in the house of God tonight. 
could have been a lot of things you could have been doing tonight. But here you are in the house of God, praising the Lord, gathering together with your brothers and sisters. We're going to pray in a minute. We're going to pray for this town. We're going to pray for individuals who need prayer. And so, but to, to enter into a land which you didn't labor. And you see, we're going to enter into this promised land. And we're going to take this land. They said the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those that, that who dwell therein. For he has founded it. You see, whose land is this? It's the Lord's land. And the Lord wants to see people here come to Christ. And not just a few. He says it's the will of the Lord that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if Jules would come to the keys right now, I'll round this up, and I'll just round it up in a, in a prayer. I pray that you've been blessed uh, by tonight. That if you felt a little bit like Habakkuk, that prophet, and uh, more than two and a half chapters of doom and gloom, he saw things and it, was, and it was gutting his walk with God. He was so disillusioned by the things that surrounded him on a daily basis, like Lot would have been, like Noah was. And we too can be overwhelmed by the things that surround us. And, uh, but I trust... Because I, I pray that the joy of the Lord would remain to be your strength. And if you feel that your joy is being robbed because of the things that are going around, I pray, nail it right now. Remove yourself from the things that are robbing you of joy. There are certain people who will rob you of joy. And I pray, you know, we can't always spend time with everybody. Amen. And some people will rob you of your joy. So I just say, just limit your time with those people. Be polite, be helpful, be a brother, and all those sort of things. But there are some relationships that will be an absolute blessing to you and others that are hard work. And so I, I pray, uh, just know what's feeding your spirit. Keep yourself in the will of God. Keep yourself in the Word of God. Keep a worshipful, don't lose your worshipful attitude towards God because of the things that surround us on a daily basis. Don't lose your joy. It's not worth it. Don't lose your strength. It's not worth it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight and for every single person listening in online. I pray that the joy of the Lord would be your strength, that you'd cut yourself off from the things that are robbing you of it. And I pray that you would begin to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Oh, you see the favor of God, the pleasure of God in you. See the provision of God coming your way. I pray that you begin to see yourself like David and say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing in the name of Jesus. He's your righteousness. He's your wholeness. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. All these good things are yours through the person of Jesus Christ. I pray, oh, let your, uh, let your thinking be recalibrated this very, very moment in time. There is a work in the realm of the Spirit that has been done right now in some people's lives. The old right now has been cut off. You physically cut it off. Put off the old man. Put off these things and put on the new man. Put on the new, uh, have the mind of Christ and all the mind of Christ. Meditate on what is good and pure and holy and just. As God said to Timothy, I pray in Jesus' name, do a divine work in the realm of the Spirit over every single person here tonight in their families. And you'll be a carrier of this Spirit 
when you go back to your homes tonight, say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I thank you, Lord, that I will partake, Lord, of, I will drink from wells that I've never dug, partake of crops that I've never grown, live in a home that I've never built because the favor of God, because I am the apple of his eye and I am the beloved disciple of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen and amen.
loved us. Your love is so vast. We cannot comprehend the vastness of your love for us. Oh Lord, we stand and bow before you in